Welcome to Salisbury Sermons, a podcast ministry of First United Methodist Church in Salisbury, North Carolina. Today's sermon is a continuation through the story 2021, our discipleship emphasis for this year, where we are encountering God anew in the story of Scripture from beginning to end. Our second lesson is from the book of Acts in the third chapter, verses 1 through 10. Listen with me for God's word. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer at three o'clock in the afternoon. And a man lame from birth was being carried in. People would lay him daily at the gate of the temple called the beautiful gate so that he could ask for alms from those entering the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked them for alms. Peter looked intently at him as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no gold or no silver, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. Jumping up, he stood and began to walk, and he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. All the people saw him walking and praising God, and they recognized him as the one who used to sit and ask for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Holy Spirit, we invite you into our midst as we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving for all that you do for us. Speak to our hearts and minds this morning through your Holy Spirit, through Jesus Christ. Amen. I heard a beautiful story that came out of Mississippi this week. A man named Darius West went out to eat at a local Mexican restaurant. And next to him came a big family of six kids ready to have a wonderful night out eating at the restaurant. There was a little boy in the group named Brecken, probably four to six years old or so. And you know, as little kids do, sometimes they kind of fixate around them. They want to perform or they want to bother somebody at another table. And this little boy, Brecken, saw Darius at the table next to him. And he threw a fit. He wanted to go and eat with Darius. He was getting upset. And his mom started to pack him up and take him to the car. And Darius said, no, it's okay. He can eat with me. And so Darius, trying to enjoy the meal by himself, is now joined by little Brecken, who sat there just happy, eating chips and salsa, and talking to Darius like he'd known him all of his life until Darius was ready to go. Brecken said goodbye like he'd known him forever, and his day was made by the kindness of a stranger. What a difference it makes when we are willing to see one another and yield our time. 
Acts chapter 3 is the beginning of the apostles' public ministry. What we just read together takes place after the Pentecost story of Acts 2. Jesus has spent 40 days teaching the disciples, preparing them for their mission in the world while he has ascended to the Father. He tells them to wait, and they wait. The power of the Holy Spirit descends upon them, the very Spirit of Christ who raised him from the dead, to carry them out into the world. So from chapter 3 on through the rest of the book, we see the way that the apostles are acting on behalf of God. Often the title of the book is known as Acts of the Apostles, but really it's the Acts of the Resurrected Christ through and in spite of the apostles. Peter and John are on their way to the temple to pray. It's a regular practice to go to the temple about three in the afternoon to offer prayer and worship to God. And they run into a man at a place called the Beautiful Gate. This is one of many entrances to the temple where this man was laid to collect alms. Beautiful Gate is not its name, but it's a description. It's a colossal thing about 60 feet wide covered in a beautiful alloy of Corinthian brass. Copper melded with gold or silver, like any other metal. This is where the rich and wealthy would enter special guests to the temple, and so it makes a good place to ask for alms. But what a contrast. This place where a man is laid to beg for money against the backdrop of this beautiful gate. All of us have had moments where we've interacted with someone in need asking us for money. You can pull those up in your mind and heart and and know the difficulty of emotion that that puts on us. Maybe you didn't have food or money to give. You look at another human and you try to gauge their intentions. Are, are they begging me because they're truly in need? Do they have nefarious purposes? What should I offer and how much? What will they do with what I give them? All of these interactions bring an inherent difficulty to them. I think for many, there's a difficulty in even just meeting one another's eyes for fear of their vulnerability, and for fear of ours. The scholar Gary Anderson says this, Jews and Christians are distinguished in practice by our charity to the poor. Greeks and Romans that lived around them were generous, but they funded theaters and baths. Jews and Christians turned their eyes to the poor, expecting to see a glimpse of God there. Our acts of worship and of prayer should open our eyes, should open our minds, should open our hearts to the very possibility that God might work for healing 
in a world that is so sick and in need of care. As Peter and John are headed toward the temple, they run right into this man. This lame man lay in the path toward praise of Jesus. And now it is time for them to see with the eyes of Jesus. That desperate pattern of begging that this man has every day for his life is interrupted by Peter and John saying, look, look at us. And he looks up into their eyes and he has an expectation of them, one he's dealt with so often throughout his life. An economic exchange that highlights the imbalance between the haves and the have-nots. They say, no silver or gold I have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand and walk. You know, Peter and John, it's worth noting, don't have silver and gold because in the early Christian community, all of that was held in common. Anything they would have had in their pockets is in the pockets of the community. But this point also serves to emphasize in the story for us. Only God can give what God is about to give to this man. The word for healing in the New Testament is synonymous with salvation. Anytime we see a healing, whether Jesus has done it himself or his apostles in the book of Acts, all of them are a foretaste of the resurrection. The whole person is affected. Not only can this man jump up and walk and leap and praise for joy now, his whole being is affected. He walks into the very temple with them. This man has been healed but he has been saved from a lifetime of sitting and begging from people. Saved for jumping and praising God for the life-changing deliverance. You know, the name of Jesus is a beautiful name. It provides power for ongoing healing for every sort of human brokenness here and now. God in Jesus Christ acts through signs and wonders. We see this all throughout the Gospels describing Jesus' earthly ministry. And every time the people encounter this, they reject that testimony. And that led Jesus to the cross. When you and I imagine Jesus on the cross, I think most of the time we imagine Jesus way up in the air, looking out over everyone as he is on the cross for our salvation. But scholars have reason to believe that Jesus was actually at eye level. So if you walked by, could you look in the eyes of our Lord crucified on that cross? Especially when you think about what we learned in the story last week. In the book of Deuteronomy, those who are crucified on a tree, they've committed a capital offense, and we are to understand that they are cursed by God. All the depths that Jesus goes for us 
I don't know if I'd have the strength to look him in the eye. But God acts once more, sticking out his right hand and raising Jesus from the dead and raising him on high to the right hand to sit by the Father on the throne forever. And once again, people are pressed to take a side. In the book of Acts, that confrontation continues for us. God acts in signs and wonders and miracles, and we have to take a side. To look with the eyes of Christ or to look away. In the next chapter of Acts, Peter and John are hauled before the authorities and they demand, in in what power or name have you healed this man? And they reply, Jesus of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God has raised from the dead. Christ is the one who does the miracle, even though the apostles are the ones who hold out their hand and offer their gaze. Let's zoom into the story a little bit more and take some notice here. Notice the man is not required to believe in Christ for him to experience healing. What's important in this is that Peter and John gazed with expectation. They expect God to move. Notice the power that a gaze and attention inclusion can have. They saw this man with the eyes of Christ. They saw him imprinted with the Imago Dei, the imprint of God that's in each one of us. They looked at him intently, the scripture says. They looked at him with intention. They had to take time out of their way to worship to be able to look at him. And they also looked at his intentions as well. Notice as well, this man's ability changes, but his location changes too. He goes from being outside at the temple seeking charity into someone inside, part of the worshiping community and the healing power that comes along with that. God is still at work through the apostles And God is still at work through us. Our witness is required, though. Sometimes when we think about the big words, evangelism and witness, we get terrified at the responsibility that might be placed on our shoulders. It's scary. We we wonder if we will have words to speak. We wonder if we have the strength to act on what God is prompting us to do. But this story of witness tells us the primary work of witness first is to see. To imagine one another through the eyes of faith. To allow ourselves to offer the very eyes of Christ to look out from us onto one another. The work of witness is to look at one another and expect that God will move and God will speak. And when you do speak, the words of witness are your own. I believe, 
and I testify. This book, Acts, is not a museum for the early church where we can examine how things were for them and then uh, leave in the past or try to replicate exactly in our current circumstances. Acts is a book that tells of the powerful work of the Holy Spirit through God's followers, through us. When we read Acts, we need to understand that same Holy Spirit is beckoning us to connect with the past, to connect with our present and everyone we encounter as the Spirit is pulling us into the future. The Spirit of Christ joins us here in our time, sharing our spaces and making everywhere we walk, everywhere we go, a possible place for God to act and to move. The struggle, though, is to yield ourselves, to pause on our way to and fro, and to share our vision and our witness. As people of faith, we're always pointed toward worship. When we're gathered together in person and virtually, we are celebrating the life of discipleship that we've had this week. We are getting strength and nourishment in God's word so that we can be sent back into the world to gather back again next week. But as we go, we will always encounter other people. And we have the opportunity to see them with the eyes of Christ. This good shepherd that we follow will put people in your path. And your task and my task is to offer what we have without guilt or shame. People everywhere are struggling just to be seen, just to be known. Perhaps, perhaps that's you this morning as well. And there's incredible power in offering your witness, in offering just to see one another for the beautiful creations of God that you are, to offer your time and your attention and your gaze. You and I are called to see the image of God, whether we encounter a janitor or a CEO, whether the person in front of us is in an incredible funk, or is jumping for joy like this man. You know, witness in this light is not so scary. You and I are invited to truly see one another, to offer space at our table like Darius did for little Brecken, to offer our hand and our expectation that God will act for the sake of another made in God's image. May it be so. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us. As always, we ask that you would rate, review, and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to share us with your friends. For more information about FUMC and our mission to make and nurture Christian disciples through the presence and power of God, we invite you to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, and please visit our website at fumcsalisbury.org.